This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. This is Vancouver Consumer. Well, the Vancouver real estate market continues to chug along, and in a moment we'll be checking in with John Carlson, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com, to talk about real estate, how to navigate this unique market. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines. Amidst all this bad news about unemployment in B.C., there's some good news for our economy. According to a new forecast, Central One Credit Union is predicting that the B.C. The economy is going to grow by 4.2% this year and by 4.5% in 2022. Things like machinery and housing expected to get a big boost as the world slowly moves on from COVID-19. Not expected to be so rosy for the face-to-face businesses like restaurants and tourism. Uh, They are expected to take a little longer to come back. And okay, we get it. It's a funny name for a park, but stop stealing the sign for Dude Chilling Park. Someone has stolen it again. The Dude Chilling Park sign, which is actually a piece of public art, the park is actually Guelph Park, has gone missing again for the third time. It'll cost about 1300 bucks, but the sign will be replaced probably within 10 days. And it's been almost 13 years since Nick Ross saw the photos that he and his wife Tiffany took while in Jamaica for their wedding. The Vancouver couple had given up on ever seeing them again, but thanks to a post on Reddit, they got them back. It was April 2008 when they got married, and back then SD cards were expensive, so Nick used the one he had in his PlayStation Portable to put in his camera to take photos of the honeymoon. And on the way home, he took the card, put it back in the PSP because he wanted to play it on the flight home. And guess what? He forgot it on the plane. And it didn't show up in the lost and found. They thought the photos were history. But now, nearly 13 years later, three of the photos popped up on Reddit, posted by a guy who bought a used PlayStation Portable back in 2008 on Craigslist and found the photos on the SD card that was in the PSP. Nice guy that he was, Alan Chan from Nanaimo, didn't wipe the card to use himself. He tried to figure out who the people were. He had no luck, forgot all about it. Then nearly 12 years later, he still had the SD card and on a whim posted them online, first on Facebook, then on Reddit. And that's where Nick saw them. Once he picked his jaw up from the floor... The two got in contact, and the photos have been sent back to Nick and Tiffany. Nick says he will be eternally grateful to Alan for not giving up and recording over those 13-year-old honeymoon wedding photos. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Coming up, we're going to talk real estate with Johnny Smartpoint, John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. Welcome back. Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Time to talk real estate with our old friend John Carlson from 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint. You can get a hold of him at johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, you can also give him a call at 604-612-0080. Hello, John. How are you? Hey, Martin. I'm doing great. That uh, 
week since uh, we last talked has gone by pretty fast. Yeah, it, the, the weeks just fly by at the best of times. But in the COVID days, the days and the weeks, they just kind of blend into one. And uh, it's crazy to think that we're already, you know, like almost at March. And uh, it, it's it's a crazy thing. But uh, let's let's get into some real estate. Usually, you know, I talk to you all the time here on CKNW, John. And uh, before we talk, I always go online and I, I look for stories like new reports about the market, the Vancouver market. Uh, but not much has changed. The market is pretty much on fire and it remains that way. Yeah, and you know, last week we we discussed uh, probably similar stuff we're going to talk about this week because the situation remains the same. Um, we're in a hot market for sellers, as everybody I think knows who's listened to this program or read any newspapers. Um, you know, some things people might not realize. What's fueling the market? Well, uh, we have a, a good, strong demand. Uh, people have uh, had shifting maybe uh, job responsibilities, or maybe they you know they want to upsize, downsize. Maybe COVID has something to do with some of that. Uh, but we also have really low interest rates. So, you know, to qualify for a mortgage is a little bit easier than it might have been otherwise. And buyers can uh, qualify to borrow more money and go out and compete against one another to buy properties. And then the other side of that coin is we're looking at inventory levels that are somewhere around like 30 year lows. In other words, uh, if you're looking for a house right now, and there are other people looking for houses. There's not a whole lot to choose from. And that, you know, again, we've talked about this. It's a supply and demand business. And when demand is high and supply is low, we're seeing things like, you know, multiple offers, bidding wars um, on certain properties. Over list price sales are not at all uncommon. And that depends partly on strategy. But, yeah, we're looking at we're looking at a market that is just starting to bloom. Uh, you know, it's March is just upon us. Uh, we haven't really even seen the spring market yet. Typically, uh, you know, the borders are still closed down. We're looking at mostly local people and guess what? The market is, is happening. Uh, and so you know, that's probably the, the biggest message right now for people who are maybe thinking about selling or cashing out or moving out of the lower mainland. How do you handle that properly and maximize that, that investment of your property, uh, in a market like this, when things are red hot, because, Lots of offers don't necessarily mean good offers, and uh, that's kind of where a professional comes in to help you, uh, you know, position a property so that you'll get good offers and maximize the sale. Well, I want to talk about multiple offers because that's a really interesting part of this whole game. But uh, right now, let, let's kind of reiterate. Uh, John Carlson, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com, uh, this is a buyer's market. And you were saying inventory is low, meaning there's just not enough properties for people to buy. Uh, so it's never been a better time if you're thinking of maybe downsizing or you, you're, your house is your nest egg and you're thinking, well, you know, we've been talking about moving to Ontario or to Manitoba or something. And... Uh, now is the time to sell a home. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be, you know, like like hyping this whole thing, but it really is a great time to sell your home, isn't it? It sure can be. And I think you may have misspoke. It's not a buyer's market, definitely a oh, seller's market. I meant seller's there. market, of course. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I figured you did. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, I have a lot of conversations with people and, um, 
you know, there are, are a number of people I've been talking to for maybe six months or a year or longer. And, and you know, like any other agent, I, I know of people who have been thinking about selling for a while. And the conversations I'm having now, I mean, the perception out there with, with sellers is people who are maybe at that retirement age or they're beyond retirement age and they're thinking, do we really need a house this big anymore? You know, there's no kids here. COVID's happening. The grandkids don't come and visit us. Uh, you know, most of our uh, livelihood in terms of our, our wealth and our equity is tied up in this home. And maybe the house needs a roof in a few years. And people are saying, you know, hey, John, you know, I've reached a certain age. Uh, I'm not sure I really want to start investing tens of thousands of dollars to, you know, to renovate my house or to, you know, to, to plan to keep it for the next 10 years. What, what do you think about the timing? And, you know, we, we don't have any crystal ball in terms of what's coming in the future. But all indications are that this spring is going to be a pretty darn good time to uh, put a house on the market and get really what is a record price for, you know, pretty much any detached house or townhouse or even condo in any of the areas in greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley. So, you know, th that's good news for sellers. If you're buying again, then of course you may have to face that kind of market from a buyer's perspective. Uh, and, you know, and that's, that's the challenge more than anything right now. But there's those people who, you know, are, are maybe they're at that stage in their life where they don't need a house anymore and they're going to go to assisted living or they're going to rent or they're going to move into a basement suite with family. For these type of people who have been thinking about it, I mean, I think the timing is is absolutely fantastic. And uh, to really maximize the situation that's out there, again, you can sell a house by just putting a sign on your yard and putting a low price on it. But to really maximize it, I think you need a professional to help you position and negotiate through these waters of multiple offers. And I think we're gonna talk about multiple offers in this program. Um, but to answer your question, wow, uh, timing to, to sell right now with the high demand and the record low inventory, uh, it works pretty well for sellers. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the more reason why you need uh, a good real estate agent on your side, uh, especially if you're buying and uh, especially if you're selling too, because uh, it is a red hot market. And John Carlson is at johnnysmartpoint.com. If you want to talk to John, just go to johnnysmartpoint.com online, or you can give him a call, 604 612 008 Zero. You can also email him at john at johnnysmartpoint.com. But Johnny Smartpoint is the uh, is the name to remember. And uh, and tell me again why you call yourself uh, Johnny Smartpoint. What is the smart point when it comes that's to a, real estate? That's a good question. Thank you. Well, you know, uh, I operate. I've been doing this almost 25 years. And uh, since about 2010, I've operated under a, a commission structure that is significantly less than um, than a lot of my competition. There's no set rates out there, but being at 2% realty, I, f I charge a flat 2% uh, sale price on a property, anything over 500000 And uh, so I think the smart point, uh, you know, has to do with, if you think about any product, you can get a, a cheap product, you can get a cheaper product, but oftentimes as you start to, uh, go down the ladder in price, you start to suffer in terms of quality. Um, and uh, that's, that's true for goods and it's true for services sometimes. Um, however, I also bring to the table a lot of experience. I've sold over a thousand properties in my career. I think you've mentioned that before. And, you know, I've got a good experience level and a great track record. So when you combine um, the skills of a good experienced agent who knows how to get a job done to the client satisfaction and a price that's better than most of the competition, 
you know, I think that's a pretty smart place to be in terms of looking for representation on a sale. And let's face it, when you're selling your home or an investment property, this is one of the biggest transactions you'll ever be involved in in your life in terms of uh, the money involved. So to have, you know, somebody do it well is, I think, the most important part of it. But oftentimes people say to me, you know, John, my neighbor sold in a week and they paid 40,000 commission or whatever it might be. And gee, I just really wonder, is that, is that really necessary? So if you're one of those people who, you know, wants to put as much money as you can in your pocket on the sale of a home, commission costs are a part of that. And, uh, you know, I, I think I, I position a very good business proposal to people in that regard. And even more importantly, um, you know, when it comes to somebody who has some experience to help you get it done properly, um, I, I do that as well. So in my mind, that's the smart point. I had a friend call me and say, what's your website, Johnny Smart Pants? And I said, no, it's, it's Johnny Smart Point. Um, but if you uh, Google me, you should find me there. And that's the proposal I put through to people. Johnny Smart Pants. No, johnnysmartpoint.com. It's easy to remember, Smart Point. And if you go to, to John's website, you can look at the different rates that, you know, there's the, sort of the typical rate and there's the 2% uh, commission. And you can actually see what, uh, what kind of money you can save. Uh, by calling John Carlson at johnnysmartpoint.com at 604-612-0080. And uh, it's a lot of money. <laughs> like a, like you, you wake up one day, you've bought a house and you've lived in it for 20 years and you wake up and it's worth a lot of money. And uh, that can be a daunting thing for people, I would imagine. Like the idea of me moving from the house I've lived in for many, many years is quite terrifying, to be honest. Like, uh, you must have a lot of conversations with people who are, are thinking of, of downsizing. And it's been the plan all along, but actually making that first step is pretty, pretty scary, I'm guessing. It is. And I think especially in, in a heated market, even more so. And, and I think you hit something right on the head there when you said you've been in your property for a long time. It's a daunting process. And a thought, the thought that goes into moving is a little bit scary. And I find here is the challenge right now. Uh, it's not so much, you know, hey, we've got our, our big house with, a, with maybe with a suite or a basement. We don't need that much space anymore. But where are we going to go? I mean, boy, we looked at a couple of townhouses and poof, they were off the market instantly. And, you know, we looked at a couple of condos and they sold quickly. So there's a bit of gridlock there sometimes because people think, gee, you know, what am I going to do? I don't have any chance of writing a subject to sale offer on these properties that, that I like. And, you know, and this is one of the big conversations I have with potential clients. And, and recently, here's one strategy that's worked quite well. Um, go out and find a place first. You know, maybe you've got a house in an area that's very attractive, that uh, would be a, an easy sale, if you will. Uh, again, the trick's not selling it, but maximizing the sale. Uh, you know, you might want to take a look at some condos and townhomes that, that, that you like first. You might want like, to talk to your bank and even if you own your property clear title and just say to the bank, hey, you know, here's our plan. We're thinking of finding our place first. We're going out looking and voila, we found a, an awesome condo right where we want. The view's great. You know, the price is reasonable. This is a building we're comfortable with. Well, one way to do this is to write an offer on that, on that purchase and put the dates far into the future. Put them three or four months into the future. And at the same time, maybe talk to your lender and say, hey, you know, lender, I know we've got this property that we own right now it's clear title or you know we have a lot of equity in it and uh, our agent john says that you know our sale price is going to be in this range if we need a safety net financially and we complete let's say in june because it's march now or end of june 
and let's just say we do sell our house, but we can't make the dates match. Would you lender, would you give us a bridge loan for a period of time? And, you know, that is a nice safety net that you probably never have to use, kind of like a trapeze artist walking the tightrope. It's there if you need it, but you don't really want to use it if you don't have to. And that gives people the ability to, uh, again, find a place they like, write an offer on it, get an unconditional deal on a purchase with maybe a three or four month or maybe even longer completion date. Of course, you want to be prepared with your home and know that it's saleable and know the value. Then when you put your house on the market, chances are you get a multiple offer situation. You can kind of pick and choose what you like in terms of offers. And you can, to some degree, dictate the timing. Maybe you get the timing to work great. If you don't, you've still got that financing option. And, and in a market where it's really overheated, that's sometimes you know uh, a way that will keep you, I guess, moving forward without being overly, overly stressed. Because the other way to do it, I mean, there's no perfect route, but the other way to do it is you sell your house and you give it a long completion and then you start looking. And, uh, you know, in that case, there is a hard deadline over your head as well. But when the deadline uh, has to do with the sale of your home in a market like this, it's much easier to sell a home than to uh, find the new place that you want and put a deal together on it. So there's always different options, but your lender could be your friend in terms of providing a safety net. You don't have to sell first and then worry about being homeless. You can actually look for a property uh, today, find it, make a deal on it, but don't complete. Don't move in for three or four months to give you time to get all your sale together on the other end. So again, uh, in any market, it's important, but especially a hot market like this, coordinating the timing of the sale and the purchase and putting it all together. And that, to me, is just an example of the finer points of why it's important to have a real estate agent who uh, knows their stuff and has been doing it a long time. And that's John Carlson at johnnysmartpoint.com. That's his website. That's everything you need to know. You can also give him a call, 604-614, I'm sorry, 612-604-612-0080. You can email him at john at johnnysmartpoint.com. Dot com. And when we continue, we're going to talk uh, about this market. It is red hot and about uh, multiple offers. There was an article in the Vancouver Sun yesterday about some crazy bidding wars. These are for some pretty high-end houses, but it is a crazy market. And uh, we'll hear more about it when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW right after this. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we are talking about this, I don't want to call it a crazy real estate market. It's just a very, very red-hot real estate market. And John Carlson is our guest. JohnnySmartPoint.com is where he lives online. Uh, You can also uh, write him an email at John at JohnnySmartPoint.com or give him a call 604-612-0080. And we've been talking about how it is a seller's market. Um, Inventory is low, which is a a real estate estate term, uh, meaning that there's just not a lot of places to buy, but uh, but there are a lot of people who want to buy them. And there was an article in the Vancouver Sun, John, that I read yesterday about BC real estate and bidding wars, uh, especially in the high-end homes. Like these are homes worth tons of money uh, and literally in the hundreds of thousands of dollars more than the asking price. And this is, is this something you're seeing uh, for every level of home, these bidding wars? 
Uh, not necessarily, but it's not uncommon. And, you know, when I read the newspaper as well, and I see these stories, you know, you have to recognize that these stories are in the newspaper and, and on the radio for a reason, because, you know, they're, they're a bit of anomalies and they, they catch a lot of attention. Right. Uh, and, and as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I'm not talking about any particular sale that happened recently, but we've seen, you know, several hundred thousand dollars over list price sales in some of these. And as far as I'm concerned, if that's part of your strategy, um, and it works, then, hey, great, you know, have at it. Um, if it's not part of your strategy, then I guess you got pretty lucky. Um, but my feeling is, you know, I don't do a, a, you know, a lot of $10 million homes and that sort of thing. My niche really is working for people, you know, young families, retirees, people, you know, residential properties and anywhere from, you know, a, a few hundred thousand dollar condo to a few million dollar, you know, uh, property or acreage or house or whatever you have. So uh, I don't, see a lot of these 10 or 15 million dollar properties that's a little bit of a different niche in terms of where i work i don't do commercial either but however if uh, if there are listeners out there who have those kind of properties i do have a lot of associates that i know and i can put you in touch with the right people but uh when it comes to me talking to uh, my clients again as a real estate agent i'm an advisor i owe them the duty of full disclosure of everything i know i owe them the duty of confidentiality and and loyalty to work for them so it's my job to kind of point out um, different scenarios and pros and cons. And here's here's my thoughts. For the most part, you do want to price in the, let's say you have a detached house for 1.2 million, which uh, might be in, say, Coquitlam. Okay. And it might, you know, be a house that was built in the late 60s, early 70s in a good area. And these are hot properties, let's say. Well, I don't think it makes sense to list it for $7.99 and have 300 showings through and have 30 offers and half of them are, you know, $8.50. I mean, it makes no sense to me, but, you know, it, it could work in different scenarios. I think you're much better off pricing it on the reasonable side of things while still leaving some room for buyers to compete and push that price up because then you're getting the right people in the house who can afford the prices. And I've, I've shown homes to, you know, that $9.99 range is interesting because you'll see homes listed in certain areas at $9.99 that... You know, maybe they'll sell for a million or close, but maybe the sellers think they're worth a million and a half and they're just trying to get as much excitement going as possible. So, again, those are not my listings necessarily and people can do what they want and maybe those strategies can work. But I think you're better off to be, uh, you know, at least somewhere not to play too many games, if you will, and to uh, keep it real, to use a modern expression. I hope that's still modern, um, you know, and price it where you're going to get a lot of showings and multiple offers and, you know, you may push things up from there. But, you know, it's not that common typically to see uh, a sale price that's what was in the paper, five or six or $700,000 over a list. You don't, you don't see that too often. Right. Right. Well, um, I, and we also, we don't want to scare people either. Cause like you say, this is the kind of thing that makes the headlines of the newspapers, but, uh, there are strategies, uh, for people who are going in to buy property in this market. Uh, when there is a potential, uh, bidding war, for example, John, uh, you talked about this, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're talking to John Carlson on CKNW, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website. Um, and you were talking about how you can maximize your chances, even if there are a few bids maybe over the asking price. There are there are ways, if you have a smart real estate agent, that you can go in and you can make your offer more attractive, right? 
Well, you definitely want to do that. If you're on the buyer's side, we're talking about buyers now yes. in this hot market. Uh, you know, I kind of liken it if you're to going to a dance, uh, you know, as to use an analogy, uh, you know, I've been married for 25 years, so I don't go to too many dances, you know, <laughs> looking for looking for dance partners. But, um, you know, I think you want to wear your good shirt and make sure your hair is combed and uh, you're presentable. You've polished up your shoes, maybe. And uh, you got a smile on your face and you're looking attractive. And it's the same sort of idea when you're a buyer, uh, you know, writing a multiple writing an offer on a property where you're competing with other with other buyers. And we talked, I think, a couple of weeks ago about, you know, personalizing the buyer. You want to show that you're a real person, that maybe you're a family person and that you appreciate this home that the that the current owner has spent a lot of time in and is probably emotionally attached to. And, you know, they're the ones that put the wallpaper up and they're the ones that, you know, replaced that roof eight years ago. And all these things that kind of, you know, people have a personal attraction uh, or a connection to their property. So you want to, as a buyer, make sure that you know, you don't just go in there and say, here's a price and here's this. I'm out of here. You want to say, hey, you know, we love this house. We could we could see our kids walking just to the school just down there. And, you know, we like to have our, you know, my wife's parents come over and they like to, you know, so we like that basement spot because when they come from out of town and we'll really love this house just as you have loved it, we'll carry on that tradition of maintaining the house and we're not going to upset your neighbors that you've grown so fond of in the last 30 years. We're going to be a good fit for this community. And by the way, here's an offer that has got a strong price. Uh, we've already done a pre-inspection. We don't need to review the title. That's all done. We've done all our homework up front. Here's a letter from our lender saying that we're personally approved. We have not, we've given our, you know, we've had a credit check. We've had our T4s looked at or employment letters, whatever's necessary. We're not just approved based on a phone call we made to some branch and we threw some numbers at them. We're ready to go. And you know what? Here's a picture of the deposit that we've got. We've got a deposit draft and everything. If you go with us, this is a sure deal. And you can feel good about going with us because we're going to fit into the neighborhood. We're going to look after this house. We're going to carry on this fine tradition that you've started or carried on yourself in this property. So the money is important. There's no doubt about it. But how you present any offer is kind of similar to how you might go about asking a, a partner to, to dance at a dance. You want to be smiling, you want to be happy, you want to be positive, and you want to be uh, attractive and, and as less risky as possible. So there's all kinds of different strategies about writing offers, but um, if you're a buyer today looking for a detached house in one of these hot segments or a, or a townhouse that's in a good area, you better be ready to put your best face on and um, make it easy for a seller to consider your offer. And John, uh, you have some other ideas too, things like uh, allowing the person who's selling the home to stay in the home a few extra months if they need it, which is a very attractive thing that if you were renting and you want to buy a place, it doesn't matter if you continue to rent for two, three, four, maybe even six months, you can let the person who's selling the home stay in there a little longer. You know, that's a that's a great point. And in the right situation, that that can be very, very valuable to a seller who is a little concerned about where they're going to go when they need some time. But it also reminds me that really this goes right back to the preparation stage when you when you're writing an offer. I might never know if the sellers would find that attractive or not unless I ask the listing agent the right questions. So when I'm preparing an offer, uh, you know, for a seller, I want to have a good long conversation with that listing agent. I want to find out as much as I can. And, you know, there's only so much that agent can tell me due to the agency relationship and confidentiality. But I'm going to ask every question I can to find out, you know, what what is it? What is the situation of the seller? Have they found a place to go? What kind of dates do they like? Uh, you know, do they do they like the idea of flexible dates? If my clients can deliver that, I sure want to know if that's valuable. 
And, you know, throughout, through the questioning and preparing for the offer, you can find out quite a bit about, you know, what might be attractive to a seller and what might not. Some sellers might say, no, I don't care. It's just all about the money and I want it now. I want it quick. Well, at least you know that and you can go in accordingly. But oftentimes there's more to it than that. So I think a good agent working for a buyer uh, will uh, make sure to do the due diligence all ahead of time. So when you write an offer, it's not full of conditions like, hey, subject to us pulling the title, search and reviewing it. Well, you should have done that before you wrote the offer, quite frankly. Um, you know, so so asking the right questions ahead of time and knowing what's important. And, and if you have a seller who is a little bit nervous about where they're going to go and they're not really sure, you don't want to give them the bums rush and write a 30 day completion. You want to say, hey, you know, we're good. We got qualification. We're going to propose 90 days. But hey, seller, how about this? We're renting as buyers right now. Or we're staying with family. We're pretty flexible. If you give us 30 days notice on that completion date, we'll extend it another month for you. No, no problem. We'll give you some time. So again, in a competitive situation, you want to be competitive. Mm -hmm. And that's why you want a realtor who's been in this business for 20 plus years, like John Carlson. JohnnySmartPoint.com is the place to go. 604-612-0080. And John, we're, we're talking about both buyers and so we're kind of hopping back and forth from buyers to sellers. Um, how do appraisals work? fit into all this? Because when we're talking about uh, a real seller's market and values kind of sometimes a home selling for more than they expected to sell for and bidding wars, and how do appraisals fit into this? Do the, do the banks recognize that, that these homes are worth maybe more than they think they are, they were a year ago? You know, appraisals can be tricky in a in a very uh, kind of a steady market. Uh, generally speaking, you, everybody's got a pretty firm grasp of, you know, where things are selling. And, uh, you know, when I'm a listing agent and we get offers in, again, let's talk about multiple offers. We've been on that topic. We're looking at the price of the offer. But more important than the price, we're looking at the certainty of the offer. Uh, you know, is it condition free? Uh, if it does have conditions, are they removed quite quickly and promptly to not leave us hanging too long. Um, and one of the main conditions that people have is subject to financing approval. And, um, you know, like we mentioned earlier, that could, you know, an, a, a solid approval is one that has been thoroughly vetted and, you know, ready to go. And that's why a good letter from your broker will help. But generally speaking, people who are pre-approved, rock solid, ready to go at a certain price, uh, they still have to say either subject to financing approval or subject to the lender approving the appraisal because the lender has approved, you know, Joe and Sally, the buyers, and done all the homework about their jobs and credit and down payment and all that stuff, but they still have to approve the contract. They're not going to lend a million and a half dollars to somebody to buy, you know, a hole in the ground. They need to actually go sometimes and physically see the property, especially if the buyers are 5% down or 10% down. Once you get to conventional financing with 20% down, that's a lot of electronic appraisals because the bank has less risk. Mm -hmm. But uh, to answer your question about appraisals, when I get an offer in and it's subject only to financing or subject to appraisal, I, you know, I ask that other agent, hey, you know, you guys are approved, everything good. And I tell my sellers, there's always this risk even if these guys are approved, sometimes the appraisers, you know, and you can't blame them, can be a little behind because, 
you know, this week's numbers might be different than last week's numbers. And, and you know, and, and an agent like myself, I might have a little bit more current information than some of the appraisers out there. Maybe not, but I often do get calls from appraisers asking me questions to help fine tune things for other properties they're looking at. And you do have the risk sometimes. And, you know, actually, I know of a, a colleague of mine who had this situation happen recently where nice multiple offer situation, unconditional offer came in. And then guess what? The appraisal came in low. The price paid for the house. And my colleague was the listing agent. The price paid for the house uh, and, and the appraisal, the appraisal was light. And in that situation, I think a buyer has to uh, maybe come up with some more money or talk to another lender. And uh, as a selling agent, a listing agent, I want to make sure that that deposit's really strong because if there is any problem with an appraisal, I want to, and my client deal has to collapse, which is uncommon, uh, I want to make sure there's a lot of security there for the seller. So again, mm -hmm. it's not a huge hurdle, but it's just one more piece of the puzzle to, to consider. You can get buyers to compete and put the prices up, 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 up and up. But if you have two offers that are very similar, far over list price, and one buyer has a 5% down payment and the other one has a 50% down payment, it's a no-brainer in terms of you know which one you might want to go because you don't have to worry about the appraisal coming in low and having any, any problems there. So that's a good question right now. Yeah, just another reason why you need a good realtor like John Carlson at johnnysmartpoint.com. You can give John a call at 604-612-0080. Email john at johnnysmartpoint.com or, uh, like I say, just go to the website, johnnysmartpoint.com. Well, John, it, it, it's an amazing uh, market, and it's so fun to, to go through it with you. We will talk in the next few weeks, and uh, I think the one thing we've learned, there's never been a better time to sell your home. If, uh, if that's something you've been thinking about, call John at uh, johnnysmartpoint.com. Well, thank you, John. It was great to talk to you. We will uh, speak soon. Thank you. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Right on. It's Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And when we come back, we're going to ask Andrew. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, along with Andrew Ferreira. He's the executive producer of Vancouver Consumer. And it's time for our feature, Ask Andrew. And Andrew, uh, you're a sucker for flowers and, uh, and springtime as things slowly kind of become spring-like here in Vancouver. And, you know, with spring usually comes, you know, what seems to be weeks and weeks of, of light rain showers. Um, <laughs> That's true. Don't look at the forecast, folks. No. Um, but the Vancouver Terry Blossom Festival comes around, you know, people start to think about it around this time every year. You know, March is in a few days. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It feels like yesterday was October. And last week was 2018. Well, I hear a lot about the Cherry Blossom Festival, but I don't really know what it is. So Vancouver's got something like 40,000 cherry blossom trees. A lot of them are gifts from Japan, uh, actually, where, you know, cherry blossom festivals as a, as a, as a broad category really are, you know, uh, part of the culture. Um, and so Vancouver's kind of adopted that, being Vancouver, um, we're the, the wonderful melting pot that we are. Uh, Around, you know, March and April, uh, when the cherry blossoms really start to bloom, you always see those Instagram pictures of, you know, like those tree-lined streets where it's just like a canopy of pink. Um, and that's really what this is. And usually, you know, don't get me wrong, I enjoy going to see the cherry blossoms. It's always fun for me in the spring because I'm a bit of a photography nerd. Mm -hmm. um, but this year, it's going to be one of like the only things that we really can do, <laughs> given the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you know, as with all events that, you know, we plug on here, that we talk about, that we promote, that we say, go and look at this, uh, you know, do, you know, be wary, go with your bubble, practice social distancing, all the good stuff. Um, but this is an opportunity, you know, the Cherry Blossom Festival usually runs um, usually something like April, you know, from the beginning of April to the end of April. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't go outside and appreciate, you know, not even just the cherry blossoms. Uh, but as, you know, winter kind of releases its horrible, horrible grip uh, on Vancouver, things are already starting to bloom a little bit. So, you know, as much as it's important to, you know, go out and support the Cherry Blossom Festival, there's lots of stuff you can do. Uh, you can just Google the Vancouver Cherry Blossom Festival 2021. There's going to be all sorts of online events um, that'll be held in concert with it. There's going to be uh, a haiku invitational, which I, I'm a bit of a nerd, so I kind of really want to listen yeah. to that. There's going to be, you know, uh, something called a soundwalk dance. Uh, you're going to be able to share your pictures on on social media and have it promoted. So there's lots to do online, but maybe consider this more of a, a, a call to action to go out and appreciate the fact that winter is on its way out and spring is here. Uh, and hopefully, you know, things are going to, look a little bit rosy, kind of like the cherry blossom petals. Yeah. I mean, this time of year, you can't beat it in Vancouver. It's a little iffy. You know, all of a sudden you get snow and then it, and then the sun comes out and then it rains for four days in a row. But it, it really is a beautiful time of year. And it's especially this year, we need it. So enjoy the Cherry Blossom Festival. Uh, that was Andrew, uh, Andrew Ferrer. I'm Martin Strong. And that's it. For Vancouver Consumer this week, uh, we'll be back next week, Saturdays at 2 o'clock. We'll see you then. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.